0: جزاكم الله خيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته
1: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد there was a great battle that took place known as the Battle of Uhud. There's a lot of context to the battle. The previous year, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala granted a very clean, clear and tremendous victory to the Muslims at Badr. The Quraysh lost some of their great leaders and were thirsty for revenge. So they tripled their numbers and began to march towards Medina Munawwara. When Rasulullah ﷺ heard that the Quraysh were headed towards Medina directly with 3,000 soldiers strong, he sat with the companions and sought their opinion. Some of the companions said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, let's, pl- let's fight a defensive battle from Medina itself while the others said, let's take it to the battlefield. Let's go out of Medina and face them directly. We won't need to fight defensively. We'll head straight to the offense. The companions that were proposing this offensive approach to the battle were mostly younger companions who missed out on the honor of Badr, the previous leader. Badr wasn't really planned and these people wanted to make up for that opportunity they desired the honor to fight side by side with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so nabi sallallahu accepted their proposal and they chose the mount uhud to be the location where the actual battle would take place this is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to in the quran where he says washawirhum فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ That seek consultation from them in the matter. And then when you conclude on an outcome that this is what we're going to do, فَتَوَكَّلْ على الله, Then put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Rasulullah sallam arrived in the battlefield, so many young companions also showed up and they had a desire to participate. Rasulullah sallam gauged their age and their height. Some were allowed, others were disallowed. As the battle drew near, Rasulullah at one point took his Mubarak honored blessed sword and he announced that Man This is hadith of Sahih Muslim. Imam Muslim وسلم, narrates حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوْ بَكَرِ بْنُ أَبِي شَيْبَةَ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عفان قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا حَمَّادُ بن بْنُسَلَمَةَ قَالَ حَدَّثْنَا ثَابِتٌ عَنْ أَنَسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهِ He narrates this Khumasi narration, out of which four of the five narrations are Basri. So therefore, some scholars while commenting on this riwayah, they say, مِنْ لَطَائِفِ هَذَا الْإِسْنَادِ أَنَّهُ مُسَلْسَلْ ب other than the Sheikh of Imam Muslim, alayhi alayhi, who is Kufi, a he is Kufi. So in this Hadith, he narrates that when the battle of when the battle of Uhud approached, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he pulled out his sword. أخذ سيفا يوم أُحد فقال من يأخذ مني هذا? Rasul alaihi asked, "Who will take this sword from me?" Now, there were many companions there. Some were senior, some were junior, from the Ansar, from the Muhajirun. In one narration, Zubair ibn Awwam radiallahu an, the relative of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, close and dear companion to the Prophet of Allah, he reached forward for the sword. Rasulullah sallallahu turned away from him. Umar this is another riwayah not the sahih muslim narration i'll come back to that in a moment that when umar radiallahu an reached forward talaba minhu umar fa'rada anhu thumma talaba minhu zubayr fa'rada anhu fawajada fi anfusihima min umar radiallahu an reached forward rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't give it to him he turned away Zubair ibn al-awwam an also reached forward for that sword rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam turned away from him and did not give him the sword we go back to the narration of Sahih Muslim. Everyone was reaching forward. O Messenger of Allah, give us the sword. We wish to be the people that are honored to carry this gift of the Prophet of Allah in the Battle of Uhud. أنا, أنا. Then the Prophet of Allah said to the companions, "Who will take this sword and fulfill its right?" al الْقَوْمُ People then pulled back. All the people that were saying, we'll take it, we'll take it, they began to withdraw their hands. Then. I'm not sure anymore. Imam Qurtubi, rahmatullahi alayh, while commenting on the narration, he says that, إِنَّمَا أَحْجَمَ الْقَوْمُ بَعْدَ مَا كَثُرَ اِشْتِيَاقُهُمْ إِلَى هَذَا السَّيْفِ لِأَنَّهُمْ عَرَفُوا أَنَّ الْوَفَاءَ بِحَقِّ سَيْفِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أَمْرٌ خطير. Because when the Prophet of Allah said, Whoever takes this sword will need to fulfill its right, the companions pulled their arms back because they understood very well that this was a very serious matter. And they were worried that maybe they would fail to fulfill the right of that sword of Rasulullah. wasallam. Sahabi by the name of Simak ibn Kharasha. He then asked the Prophet of Allah, Ana Akhiduhu bi that I will take your sword with its right, I will fulfill the right of it. Then he asked Rasulullah, وسلم, What is the right of this sword? To that, the Prophet said, The right of the sword, no enemy of Allah should be spared in the battlefield. That you will not turn away from the battle no matter how difficult things get. In one riwayah, Rasul ﷺ said, that the right of my sword is that it never be raised against another Muslim. So, this great companion of Rasulullah ﷺ, Simak ibn Kharasha, Abu Dujana ﷺ, took the sword from the hand of Rasulullah ﷺ. And after Abu Dujana ﷺ took that sword, he then pulled out his bandana that he had and he tied it on his head. It was a red cloth that he would tie on his head when heading into the battlefield. And the companions, they say that whenever he tied that banner on his head, that meant he was ready to fight until death. Nothing was going to hold him back. He was ready to go all the way through. Abu Dujana radiallahu an, as he prepared for the battle, he began... To to walk through the lines of the Muslims in a very tough manner. He began to walk with his shoulders swinging left to right with his chest boasted outwards, ready to go to war. This walk was one that had some arrogance in it. And he began to sing poetry. In Nimra'un Ahadani Khalili I am a person who was given a covenant by my friend. بِالصَّفْحِ لَدَنَّ أَلَّا أَقُومَ الدَّهْرَ فِي أضرب بِسَيْفِ اللَّهِ Rasuli. The Prophet of Allah, عليه والسلام, My dear friend, إِنِّمْ Ahadani Khalili, That my dear, very intimate friend made me take an oath, ta'ala, the famous commentator of Sirah, in his al-Unf, he writes, "In un Ahadani Khalili." يعني رسول الله. وكذلك كان أبو هريرة يقول حدثني Khalili. وأنكره عليه بعض الصحابة وقال له متى كان خَلِيلُكَ وإنما أنكر عليه المنكر هذا لقوله لو كنت متخذاً خليلا لاتخذ أبو بكر Khalila. ولكن أخوة الإسلام that Rasulullah said that if I were to take a khalil, a very close intimate friend, it would have been Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq But my relationship with Abu Bakr is that of the bond of brotherhood in Islam. So if Rasulullah did not offer this word khalil to even someone like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq then how is it that Abu Dujana is making this claim? that my khalil this very close intimate friend of mine made me take a commitment similarly alama saheli he references that when sayyidina abu huraira radiAllahu an would narrate hadith his statement would be hadathani khalili my very close intimate friend took a, a conveyed to me he narrated to me and other sahaba would say to him that why are you calling the prophet your khalil when the prophet of allah did not use that statement for anyone else Yet Abu Hurairah, may Allah would continue. So to answer this sort of um, predicament here, Alama Sohaili, Rahmatullahi Allah says, Wa with him, says: "Walis fi hadithi ma yidfagu an yiqool al-Sahabiyyu hadthani Khalili, leanhum yudi-dun bihi ma'na al-Habib, wa inna fihi alayhi an al-Nabiya lim yakan yiqool li ahd min as that just because the Prophet of Allah did not say it to anyone doesn't mean the companions weren't allowed to use that term when referring to Rasulullah Because when they said that our dear intimate friend said this, our beloved said this, when they used the word khalil, they were using it in the meaning of habib. That the one that was dear to us, the one that we loved more than our own lives, he is the one that gave us this trust. إِنِّمْرَ un ahadani Khalili. وَنَحْنُ بِالسَّفْحِ Ladan النَّخِيلِ Safh refers to a path that cuts through the mountainous area. by the trees. أَلَّا أَقُومَ الدَّهْرَ فِي Kayul, he says that the Prophet made me take a commitment that I will never stand. أَلَّا أَقُومَ فِي الدهر. I will never stand. فِي Kayul refers to the akhir sufuf the back lines of the army, that the Prophet made me take a promise that I will never stand in the back. Qayul, some scholars say, refers to the reminisce of a fire. Once the fire is extinguished and there is some smoke coming from there after the fire is done, because that's the leftover of the fire, the back part of the fire. After everything is done, this is what remains. This is what they would, this same word would be used to refer to akhir fil jaysh, the back lines of the army. ألا أقوم الظهر في الكيولي أضرب بسيف الله والرسولي. That I will stand in the front and strike the enemy with the sword of Allah and His Messenger, عليه الصلاة والسلام. In one narration, the famous Maliki scholar, al-Majlisi al-Shanqiti Abdul Qadir bin Muhammad, he writes in his book نزهة Afkar, narrating from Zubair رضي الله عنه. That Zubayr radiAllahu an says when Rasulullah sallallahu gave that sword to Abu Dujana radiAllahu an, hazantu ala I felt really sad that why is it the Prophet of Allah passed me up? He thought that maybe there was something that the Prophet saw in me that was a deficiency because of which the Prophet didn't give me this honor. So I took a commitment that I would spend this battle not only fighting the enemy, but also carefully observing Abu Dujana an. That why did the Prophet give it to him? فتبعته. So I began to follow follow him. And what I noticed, عصابة, he took his hamra, he took his red garment. أَلْجَبَانَةُ فِي الْحَرْبِ عَارٌ وَمَنْ Lam لَمْ مِنَ النَّارَ I saw him take this bandana that he was tying around his head, and on one side of the bandana it said the statement, نَصْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَتْحٌ قَرِيبٌ Victory from Allah and assistance is near. And on the other side of the bandana I saw written there, أَلْجَبَانَةُ فِي الْحَرْبِ عَارٌ That to be a coward in the battlefield is a stain on your honor. وَمَنْ لَمْ the one that runs from the battlefield Will not be safe from the fire of hell So then he watches Abu Dujan From a distance Observes him very carefully Abu Dujan As he fought in the battlefield He kept moving forward Nothing pushed him back And every time he walked past an enemy He ensured That the haq of that sword Was fulfilled and that person fell like a blade that was just roaming around on the battlefield left and right, just wiping the enemy out. One sahabi, he says that, Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu an says that, I was from the people that were injured in the battle of Uhud. Kuntu fi man جُرِحَ muslimin So I saw this man from the mushrik side, from the opposition, and that guy was fighting a very tough battle. And he had this very thick armor on, جمع la'ma La'ma refers to armor in all forms everything that a soldier uses in the battlefield they refer to this in Arabic as La'ma لأمة. لأمة so this man was covered in his armor and he was shouting cries of war and every Muslim that he saw lying on the ground he would attack him and stomp him and keep going there was no one to stop him for those of you who know the battle of Uhud the first part of it was in favor of the Muslims and then a point came where the battle flipped. The Quraysh caught the Muslims off guard and attacked them from behind a mountain, Jabal rumat So he says that this man was walking around stomping on the Muslims and he was attacking them one by one by one. So I began to think, who will fight this, who will fight this man? فَإِذَا رَجْلٌ مِّنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ I saw... One of the Muslim soldiers from the far end of the battlefield, he had his eyes locked on that man. And he was also armored and he was ready for war. I began to follow the Muslim soldier, hoping that these two would clash. In his heart, Ka'b Malik anh, says, That the mushrik, that guy that was stomping on the Muslims, he seemed to be more ready for war in his dress, in his armor, in his appearance. Finally the two faced off. The Muslim man came. He took his sword and hit him so hard on his shoulder that he sliced the man in half. He sliced the guy in half. One strike. the Muslim man, after striking him, removed the garment that was covering his face. He turned to Ka'b bin Malik and said, "Everything okay?" He said, "I looked at the man. فإذا هو أبو دُجَانَ. It was Abu Dujana." Uh, عنه, the man who took the trust of the sword of Rasulullah wasallam. Zubayr radiallahu on the other hand, he's observing him too and he's trying to figure out what's special about him and what he sees not only is he pressing forward but he cuts through the whole army of the Quraysh and there was, when he arrived in the back end of the army he took his sword, he went to an individual he tapped the individual on the head and walked away. Zubairah didn't understand. He went to him and said, why did you tap that person on the head? He said, that was a female and it is beneath the honor of the Prophet of Allah that his sword be used to strike a female. Zubayr ibn ﷺ at that moment said, now I understand what Rasulullah did when he selected you. That there is a balance when you represent the sunnah. There is a method to it. There's a procedure, there's an adab to representing the deen. There's a way that you carry yourself when you claim to be a representative of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the battle became very difficult, Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala speaking of Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu, while introducing him, he says, هو سماك بن خرشة الخزرجي الأنصاري وهو مشهور بكنيته شهد بدرا و أحدا ودافع Ar الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم إذن هو ومسعوب بن عمر that when the battle of Badr, battle of Uhud took a turn and things became very tough he was the honored and known companion that stood next to Mus'ab bin Umar رضي الله عنه and the two of these people together protected Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم وكثرت فيه الجراح وقتل مصعب that the wounds became many so Musa Abbn Umar passed away. As for Abu Dujana an, he became a human shield for Rasulullah. When the enemy was fire when they were firing arrows, he stood in front of Rasulullah with his back towards the enemies until a point came where there was no space on his back where there wasn't an arrow already in it. And he stood there protecting Rasulullah sallallahu Abu Dujana was known for his courage He was known as a phenomenal, great, powerful, strong warrior There's a narration that Imam Bayhaqi narrates in his Dala'il-Nabuwa This narration is highly contentious And the reality is that for the most part, the muhadithun do not accept it But I'm going to narrate it before you Not so much as a part of his story, but for those of you that are students of knowledge here, are able to acknowledge and understand that you will find some aspects of an individual's life mentioned within books, and this part of it is acceptable, and that part of it is not acceptable by the Muhadithun. So, the chapter, Babu Ma Yuthkaru Min Hirzi Abi Dujana, there's a long narration, and the Sanad, the chain of the narration, has actually the children of Abu Dujan If I were to read the chain in front of you It's like his son His grandson narrates from the son And then the great-grandson narrates from the The grandson and the great-great-grandson Narrates from the grandson It's one of those chains that you see within his family That um, Abu Dujan One night He was sleeping Sami'atu abi Yaqul ila rasulillah ya بَيْنَمَا أَنَا مُتَّجِعُنْ فِي فِرَاشِي إِذْ سَمِعْتُ فِي دَارِي صَرِيرًا كَصِرِيرِ الرَّحَى وَدَوِيًّا كَدَوِيًّ النَّحْلِ وَلَمَعًا كَلَمْعِ الْبَرْقِ Abu Dujana رضي الله عنه says One night I was sleeping and I began to hear some sounds All sorts of interesting sounds فَرَفَعْتُ رَأْسِي فَزِعًا مَرْعُوبًا I lifted my head from my pillow and I was terrified What I saw in front of me was a dark shadow So as a soldier, he decided to attack the shadow or most people would run away. He thought, you know what? Let's fight it. It's fascinating how some people's minds are. When I studied in England, I had two roommates. They were Nigerian. So during the break, one was Nuruddin, the other one was Shamsuddin. They were lovely young men, lovely, mashallah. My brother and I were from America. These two were from Nigeria. We, we had a really good, interesting relationship. We were, it, was, it was during one of the breaks. All the students who were from England, they had gone home to visit their families. So there were only a handful of students left in the Madrasa. There were these two students from New Zealand. They were big badmash. They goofed around a lot, these two did. One of them was a gym junkie. He used to lift so much. Didn't have a neck. One of those guys. He lifted a lot. and he's really buff guy. So one day over lunch, he said, Guys, everyone's gone. There's only a few of us left in the Madrasa. In the spirit of having some fun, I've planned a prank. So everyone was worried that what if they were the target of the prank? So I asked him, I said, what's your prank? He said, well, I came into possession of the scream mask. You guys know what that is, the scream mask. I have a glow in the dark one. He said, I'm gonna come to your room. Our room had two hallways. There was one that was connected to the gym, and the other one was the main hallway that we would use to access our room. He said, I'm gonna come from the gym side into your room and act like I'm a jinn. to scare your roommates. We tried to explain to him this was a very bad idea. He insisted on doing it. So we were lying it's 3 AM in the morning. This guy, made of steel, he comes from outside the window. And there's a big window that's in our room. And the r- window on the other side of the window is the gym. So he starts knocking on the window and starts making ghost-like sounds. Jin, ghost-like sounds We were lying there One of the brothers woke up nura he says to Shamsu He goes, Shamsu Somebody's here So this guy says, who is it? So he goes, Jin, Jin There's a Jin there This Dahil guy, he leaves the gym And he comes to the main hallway And begins to knock on our door Now, in normal circumstances, if you are convinced that there is a jinn there, and these guys used to always tell us about possession stories in Nigeria and their town and the stuff that they had seen and magic and everything they'd seen up close. In normal circumstances, what you do is you run. Or you hide under your pillow, you maybe cry a little bit. Maybe you start calling the Adhan. (laughs) I don't know what these guys were thinking. They thought the right thing to do was to attack the jinn physically. So one of them stood behind the door and the other one got into a position where he was going to do a double-leg takedown. My brother and I were just so puzzled, what is happening here? These guys are going on the offense against the gym. So the guy opened the door. And as soon as he opened the door, Nura just did a double-leg takedown, full mount, and he started pounding the guy in the face, one punch after another. It was like brick after brick. If he didn't have that mask on, I don't think he'd have a face left. He just kept, and this guy says, uh, he starts shouting, no, no, I'm not going to say his name. He said, oh, no, it's me, it's me, it's me. And he started saying, you know, please let me go. And he said, yes, that's what I thought a jinn would say. And he, he just kept hitting that guy again and again. So there are those people that when they're threatened by jinn, they kind of run away. And then there are these type of people who are like, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. There was one person that once approached me. They were struggling with jinns as well. So um, the individual came with a firearm. I said, what are you doing with this firearm? They said, I'm going to shoot the jinn. I said, did you really think this through? <laughs> i think you stopped this through properly. We need to think about this again. You're saying the jinn possesses you and you're going to shoot the jinn? Like, how does this work? So Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu, he says that, um, فَرَفَعْتُ مرعوبا فأنا أسود صحن داري فأهويت إليه جلده I decided to go after him. So when I touched him, فَإِذَا جِلْدُهُ كجلد Qunfud. Qunfud is like a porcupine. So he said, it's very sharp. شرار النار. شرار النار. So then he had this very interesting interaction and with this jinn, he then approaches Rasulullah the next day and he informs the Prophet of Allah that there are jinn's that are uh, bothering me. So Nabi sallam said, بِدَوَاتٍ وَقِرْطَاسٍ Bring a paper and some ink. And then, عَلِيَ أَبِي طَالِبٍ فَقَالَ أُكْتُبْ يَا He then gave the pen and ink to Ali رضي الله عنه and said, write. فَقَالَ مَا أكتب؟ قَالَ أُكْتُبْ Then, 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 then Rasulullah he dictated to him what to write. بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ هَذَا كِتَابٌ مِنْ مُحَمَّدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ رب العالمين. إلى من ترق الدار من العمار والزوار والصالحين إلا طارقًا يترك بخير يا رحمن أما بعد فإن لنا ولكم في الحق سعة فإن عاشقا مولعا أو فاجرا مختحمًا أو راغبا حقا أو مبطلا هذا كتاب الله ينطق علينا وعليكم بالحق إنا كنا نستنسخ ما كنتم تعملون ورسلنا يكتبون ما تمكرون أتركوا صاحب كتاب هذا وانطلقوا إلى عَبَدَةِ الأصنام وإلى من يزعم أن مع الله آلهة آخر لا إله إلا هو كل شيء هالك إلا وجهه له الحكم وإليه ترجعون يغلبون حَمِيمٌ لا ينصرون حاميم عين سين قاف تفرق أعداء الله وبلغت حجة الله ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله فسيكفيكهم الله وهو السميع العليم so this is a uh, message full of just statements of Rasulullah sallallahu uh, wasallam, infused with some verses of the Qur'an. So then he says that I took this uh, paper and kept it with me and all the shayateen and jinn that were bothering me disappeared. And not only did they disappear, they began to beg me to get rid of it because it was a punishment for them. So ultimately he says, again it's a long narration summarizing it. So then he says, I got rid of that paper then. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me sukun after that. I had no problem after that again. So this particular narration, Imam bayhaqi rahmatullahi alayhi, does narrate it in his Dala'il So there is reference for it. And there are a few different chains, some not acceptable at all. While others, there is some kalam and discussion regarding the authenticity of them. With that said, Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, has narrated the narration in his Mawdu'at and so has Imam Suyuti rahmatullahi alayhi, in his al Masnu'a fi Ahadith al-Mawdu'ah. The reason why I chose Abu Dujana the anha's story today was because those who know him know him as the great courageous warrior. The one that fought in the battle of Badr, in the battle of Uhud. But there was one part of his life one story one specific interaction of his that i came across and i found this to be so profound so beautiful that we chose this gathering to be an opportunity to reflect on his life but very specifically to focus on this statement of his i was once traveling and i was in a hotel in the room next to ours in the hotel was of another speaker who also traveled in to speak at that conference, Mu'anana Tariq Jamil So at nighttime, when he was in his room, a few of us, we went over to his room and just sat there, had tea with him. And I remember asking him, Sheikh, do you have any nasiha? So when he started giving nasiha, he referenced this exact same narration of Abu Dujana radiallahu an that I am to share with you right now. قَالَ زَيْدُ ibn Aslam, دُخِلَ ala abi dujana وَهُوَ marid that someone came to visit Abu Dujana radiallahu an one day when he was sick. The great soldier, the great warrior, the one that held the sword of Rasulullah, and fulfilled the haq of that sword. Someone came to visit him when he was sick. يتهلل, but even though he was sick, his face was glowing, it was shining. فَقِيلَ له يتهلل. What's, what's going on here? Why are you so happy and why do you look so confident here? So Abu an says that I have two deeds of mine that are so special and dear to me that I rely on them and lean on them to be the means of my salvation in the hereafter. If you were to stop right there, your assumption would be that one of those two things has to be... What was that? Uhud. Like that has to be one of the two things. If this guy is saying, this great soldier, Sahabi, warrior, that there are two things in my life that I've done that I'm really confident are really going to come and clutch on the Day of Judgment. There are two things that I've done in my life that will protect me from whatever difficulty lies on the other side of the grave if you and I were to guess one of those two things, we would say it was him taking the sword of Rasulullah and fighting in the battle of Uhud. But then he says, what are those two things? Ibn Sa'd Ibn Sa'ad narrates this in his tabaqat. Number one, I never engaged in conversation that didn't relate to me. And number two, as a result of that, I never had ill feelings for another Muslim. These are the two things that are going to get me to Jannah. These are the two things that will take care of me in the hereafter. All the war, all the battle on one side, I never had, I never engaged in gossip. I didn't talk about other people. While everyone else was on social media and Twitter and Talking about like, you know, this person did a refutation against that person. That person spoke about this person. This person is getting tagged in that person's video. And this person did a rebuttal video on that person. And this guy did a reaction video. And then this guy made a new hashtag. And now that one's trending. And while everyone's talking about all this nonsense, I never spoke about something that didn't relate to me. This is the trait of a person who understands life. Someone who really gets it. Someone who appreciates the truth of this dunya and is able to understand that everyone that you see in your lifetime, every human being you can lay lay your eyes on, even your own mother, your father, your child, your friend, your wife that you love with your heart, that in a hundred years from now, none of them will be alive. That you understand that everything that you own And everything everyone owns, 100 years from now, they will belong to someone else. The house that you've worked so hard for, the person that you are madly in love with, the people who you are so vested in, all this drama of everything, give it a few years, it'll all disappear. The skin that you spend so much time putting lotion on will no longer exist. It'll disappear. The teeth that you brush every day will fall out in your mouth without even having the weight of popcorn. Your jaw bones will disappear, your hair will disappear. And you look at the bodies of these people, منفورا, nothing remains of them at all. منسية, forgotten. You can't even find their traces anymore. The reality is that your memories that you're so fond over, that you're so connected to, so committed to, one generation barely may remember you. For a few years, people will say, "Hussein this, Hussein that. Give it five years, they'll forget you. A new imam will come, a new da'i will come, a new person will come. And this is the deen of Allah, so he will always find the right people to cover for those that are full of flaws. And then, give it another ten years, and that person's grave will be lost. Maybe their children will know who they are by their name, that my Baba was this. How many of you even know three facts or four facts about your grandfather that has left the dunya? Unless you've lived with him, that's different. Those of you who haven't lived with your grandparents, great-grandparents, what do you know about them? That's your blood. This is you, forget anyone else. You probably don't even know what your great-great-grandfather's name was. And you were the last people in the world that were expected to know anything about them. But they disappeared. They all disappeared. All oh, the ones standing at my grave do not be amazed by my state. Yesterday I was you. tomorrow you'll be me. A person who understands this, this reality won't waste a minute of theirs in gossip. They won't bother. They won't talk about other people. My father was this, my aunt was this, my uncle was this, my brother is this. Forget all of that. Tell me about you. You, that's what I want to hear. Tell me about you. So Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu says that مَا مِنْ عَمَلٍ شَيْءٍ أَوْثَقُ عِنْدِي مِنَ كُنْتُ لَا أَتَكَلَّمُ Never spoke about something that did not concern me. That advice of Mara Tariq Jamil when he was referencing this hadith was so profound he could have said anything but the advice he gave was develop your character focus on yourself don't get caught up in gossip and as a result of not engaging in people's business Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the sweetest flavor that a believer can have in their heart for another the sweetest taste وَالْأُخْرَىٰ فَكَانَ قَلْبِي لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ I never had hard feelings for another person. How much of our life is wasted, just wrapped in the bitterness of ill feelings for other people. You don't even get to enjoy your own life. And this is caused by no one other than you. You've brought this on to yourself. فَكَانَ قَلْبِي لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ Abu Dujana Radiallahu an, he continued to serve the armies of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi sallam and then after Nabi sallallahu alaihi sallam departed from this dunya, he gave his allegiance to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq Radiallahu an. There was a man that claimed prophethood towards the end of the Prophet's life, a mutanabbi, by the name of Musaylama who the Prophet very appropriately gave him the laqab. Al-Kaddaab. Musaylama Al-Kaddaab, the liar. His matter was not solved by Rasulullah and Nabi passed away. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq عن, one of the first things that he did after uniting the Muslims that were confused after the Prophet's passing, he took um, Khalid bin Walid عن, and appointed him as the general and under him sent the senior Sahaba of Medina and said Go and deal with this false prophet Many of the great Sahaba joined that uh, Expedition Many of them were Hufad Of the Quran Great Ulama It was after this expedition that Abu Bakr Sadiq Made the intention of compiling the Quran Because many great Sahaba Were martyred in this Among the people Who was honored with the the necklace of shahada was Abu Dujana radiyaAllahu He was with the soldiers who marched against the false prophet. The first part of the battle was in favor of Musaylama and Banu Hanifa, his people. The Muslims then went on the offense and then Musaylama and his folks, uh, they retrieved into their fort. They locked the doors down they took the higher ground and they kept firing arrows at the muslims and this became very frustrating because there was no way for the muslims to penetrate into that fort finally one of the companions he said the only way for us to enter into this fort is to climb over the walls so khalid bin walid said that if we even create a contraption that launches someone over the walls, that person will be in there alone, at least for the first few moments. This is a suicide mission. So the Sahabi said, just trust me, I'm willing to take the risk. Khalid bin Walid very reluctantly accepted the proposal, as long as the other companions followed. And he said to him that as soon as you get inside, your task will be to run to the main gate and open it. Once it's open, these guys are done. We will take care of them. You just open that door and let us in. They've been hiding behind this cage for too long. So they scaled the wall. The Sahaba did, it, and they opened up the door. And as they ran in, Abu Dujana al Ansari radiAllahu an says, hakum yama al Ansar, ihmiluni wa Banu Hanifa came with a strong line of soldiers, so he said, You know what, guys? Toss me over their lines. I don't want to deal with these lines here. You guys toss me over them and let me go far. So when they tossed him, they launched him over. In some narrations, he was the one they actually threw over the wall. He was one of the people. Other narrations it was another person. But regardless, he was launched, and when Abu Dujana radiAllahu an landed, Abu الحديقة, when he landed, he he jumped on the enemy al like an angry lion. and he began to sing poetry as he provokes his enemy, أنا سماك وأبو دجانا لست بذي ظل ولا مهانا ولا جبان القلبي ذي la لا خير في قوم بدين خانا And as he sings these lines of poetry, he jumps in. Now, what happened to Abu Dujana رضي الله عنه is that when he landed in the battlefield, he broke one of his legs. The moment he landed, because it was a big jump, he broke his leg however that didn't stop him from moving forward he stood on one leg of his ignoring the second one and he kept pushing forward and kept pushing forward and kept pushing forward he sliced through every person that stood in front of him until he stood right in front of Musaylama Kadhab himself. He looked at Musaylama Kadhaab and he attacked him. And when he attacked him, as he hit him, from the other side, another Sahabi came, Wahshi bin Harb, radiyallahu an, And he also attacked Musaylama Kadhaab and the two of these two, these two people tag teamed and they killed this great enemy of Allah and His Rasul. It's fascinating because both of these people in Uhud fought on the opposite sides. Wahshi fought on behalf of the Mushrikun and was the one that martyred Hamza, radiallahu an, and on the other hand, who was a lion of Allah and His Messenger. On this side, Abu Dujana was the one that was fighting on behalf of the Muslims, carrying the sword of Allah's Rasul and Allah and His Rasul's sword. And when Wahshi an became Muslim, he took an oath that just as I killed the most beloved to the prophet, I will also kill the most detested by the prophet. And he had his eyes fixed on Musaylam al That in order for me to have my penance, to live my redemption in this dunya, I have to kill him. In one narration, there was a third person involved in killing Musaylam al And now who was this third person? Different riwayat here. One of them suggests that it was a lady. Umm Ammara anha, That she was the third person involved. And the reason why she wanted Musaylama gone is because when Rasulullah sent the messenger to communicate with Musaylama, the messenger he chose was a Sahabi by the name of Habib bin Zayd, who was the son of Umm Ammara anha, the great female soldier and warrior. And Musaylama, he tortured Habib bin Zayd by mutilating his limbs one by one. So when she heard this, she was so heartbroken that she also took an oath that I will deal with Musaylimah myself. Regardless, Abu Dujana radiyallahu because of his broken leg, he wasn't able to defend himself and fight the same battle that he had fought in his life. He continued pushing forward until he was martyred radiyallahu The story of Abu Dujana radiyallahu an is a beautiful one. We see his courage we see his strength, his honor. We see his loyalty to Rasulullah When he was walking arrogantly in the battlefield, Rasulullah said, this is a walk that is, that is disliked to Allah, but in a place like this. And it's fascinating that Rasulullah said this because it shows us that there is a time and a place for everything. When you're in the battlefield and someone's provoking you, there's no need to be humble there. That's a place for you to be tough. Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi, rahimahullah taala, while commenting on another incident of Abu Bakr Siddiq radhiyallahu anhu, but it's a similar context. He made a statement which I shared with a scholar once in Makkah Mukarramah. I told him that you know Sheikh Ahmed Sal-Hindi at one point said to do takabur in front of a mutakabir is sadaqah. Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi, rahimahullah taala, said. To be arrogant and stubborn in front of another arrogant person is sadaqah. That's a good thing. There's no need to be humble in front of arrogant people because you're just empowering them. When people talk nonsense, if you just smile at them and nod your head, you're empowering them. The best thing to, to, to do to people that are talking nonsense is what? Just give them a cold shoulder. Just walk away. Go upstairs to your room. If you don't find value in a conversation, just walk away. If they're intelligent, they'll catch on. And if they're not intelligent, then they're just digging themselves further into the ground. I saw this one time I was traveling and we were sitting together, a few of the mashaikh, and um, one of the person, one of the person sitting there, he made like a locker room type joke. He's made some kind of joke about women and body and figure and this kind of a thing. So the mashaikh that were sitting there, one of the one of the mashaikhs sitting there, immediately, without even like, without even skipping a breath, without even blinking an eye, he immediately said, he said, you continue like this and I'm going to walk away from here. The very stern voice. You say one more word like this, say one more word like this, and I'm walking away. I don't want to hear it. That person's big joke turned into an awkward smile. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where your tail has been handed back to you? One of those situations. There's a time and place for everything. Not for locker room talk. Just in terms of what kind of posture you take when you engage with people. Right? There is a time where you need to be bold and strong and then there's a time for you to be... And the, you know that sheikh who I shared this with in Mecca? He didn't know who Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi was. He's a famous scholar from the Punjab area. So then he began to look for a similar statement among some of the more classical scholars. And one day he sent me a message on Telegram. He said, Sheikh uh, you know, we met in Hajj and you shared this statement with me. I began to look for a similar statement by the Salaf and I found a statement attributed to Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi that he said the same thing. Imam razi said that there is a time and a place for everything. That, and we see this with Abu Dujana an. And then Abu Dujana radiallahu an continued this sacrifice right until the end of his life. And when he is you know, thinking about his Akhira and he's reflecting over what will happen to him, it's not the moments in the battlefield that he was so confident in because a'mal can easily be washed out. Arrogance can creep up on you. Riyah can creep up on you. What stands is your akhlaq. What kind of person you are. What's your heart like? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to live by the akhlaq of the sahaba. And may he accept us from his awliya and make us from the righteous. Wa ta'ala ala sayyidina Muhammad. alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.